Welcome back to Jeducation, where parenting and Jewish education merges. This week's conversation is extra meaningful for me, having a chance to talk with my Rebbe, Rev Yaakov Neuberger. Rev Neuberger, who is known for his deep way of thinking through really every issue, and a true Baal for so many, and it is my personal Baal personal guide for so many areas of my life. And it was so special to be able to talk parenting and Jewish education with him. And uh, I'm so excited to share this conversation with all of you. As well as being a Rosh Hashiva in YU, Rav Neuberger is the Rav of Beth Abram in Bergenfield, New Jersey. And it was fascinating to hear how Rav Neuberger pushes the shul and the community to strive for a very spirited and genuine Avodah Hashem. You really, I mean, I live there and I feel it. You really, really feel it. And I think this is something that, which can be a really great model for pushing that ideal within our homes as well. Rav Neuberger is also known for his chassan classes and speaks about a very powerful idea within Shalom Bias, which has a strong connection to parenting as well. Make sure you catch one of the final points we discussed regarding tefillah, where Rav Neuberger had amazing points for making tefillah more accessible. As always, if you have any points, any ideas, any questions, anything you'd like to hear, please reach out to us at jeducation.org. We really appreciate the feedback and the ideas that we've gotten so far, and we look forward to being able to continue to give you great education advice. Don't forget to join our WhatsApp group to be able to stay on top of the latest updates, episodes, videos, and ideas, and to join our mailing list at jeducation.org. You can click on the top of the website over there for the WhatsApp group, the emailing list as well. And as a reminder, if you did not yet give a rating on Apple Podcasts, if you don't yet follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, please check us out there today. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Jeducation Podcast. My name is Yetir Manchel. Jeducation, where parenting and Jewish education merge to give our children the best possible experience. Whether you chose to be an educator by profession or not, we are all Jewish educators. Day in and day out in our own homes, we are educating our children on what it means to be a Jew, what it means to be a good person. And sometimes, perhaps most of the time, the education children receive in their homes is more impactful than the formal education they receive in school. Check us out at jeducation.org today and remember to subscribe to the podcast. This week's guest is Rav Yaakov Neuberger. Rav Neuberger is a Rosh Hashiva at YU, as well as the Rav of Congregation Beth Abraham in Bergenfield, New Jersey. Rav Neuberger is widely regarded as an authority on issues related to marital relationships, the purity of the Jewish home. He offers his, his services to help train young men, you know, get ready for married life, as I, I, I had the pleasure and the success of learning from Rebbe, you know, in my, my chazan classes. And uh, before, before coming to Beth Abraham, Rebbe was in, uh, from 1986 to 1990, Rav Neuberger was the spiritual leader of the Jewish community of the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and the Jack T. Wilder Hospital. Uh, Rebbe uh, received his smicha from Ritz and is a graduate of Yeshiva College and earned a master's from Columbia University in psychology. So uh, I want to just first start off, it's really, for me, it's so special to have Rebbe on. It's, uh, Rebbe's my Rebbe. I learned by Revy in, in Yeshiva University, and uh, it's really a chus to be able to sit down with Revy, and thank you so much for talk, taking the time to talk to education. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So first things first, what, what inspired Revy to go into to Rabbanus, into education? What, how, did that all, how did that come about? So I went in for all the wrong reasons, the reasons that we would not tell people to go into. I, uh, my major motivation at that time was because I wanted a trajectory in which I would be able to learn as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, learning and and then uh, ultimately going to Melech provided 
that for me. It's not, it's, it's not the reason that we would suggest for people to go into Melech's right, right. Um Not at all. Um, for me, I had a lot of Siyata Deshmaya, a lot of Nisim. And, uh, and early on in my high school years, so I had, uh, was in a situation where there were many, I uh, was in a, a, a high school that had from students and many not from students. Mm-hmm. So then I had an opportunity to have uh, conversations with people and uh, it was in a situations where we discussed a lot of Torah. So I did get some, um, an inkling that uh, I would have, uh, I'd have some measure of success in the area. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. But again, it's I went in for the I went in for the wrong reasons because Rochel made things work out, right? So things worked out okay. But it's so interesting because I feel like Rebbe is so involved in. I mean, obviously, Rebbe is very involved in in Lima Torah and is, is a tremendous chacham and chacham and devotes a lot of time to learning Torah. But Rebbe is also very involved in the Osik B'Tarchei Tzibur and uh, very involved with you know both with Talmidim in NYU and also with all the Balabatim in in the community. So that's like uh, it's amazing how Rebbe developed that and and. Does that the you know with full full leave? It's a, it's a, it's incredible. It's amazing. How did that? How did Rebbe develop that? Or is that just over the time, over the course of the uh, the the the, the malach of uh, of Rabbanus and of Chinuch is uh, ultimately a malach of teaching and and helping people, trying to help people. Right, right. So that, so who who were Rebbe's role models in in uh, I bet I guess first in Chinuch and then I guess maybe we'll also talk about role models in parenting. So I had Kadosh uh, Baruch lined up for me a stellar cast of uh, Rebbeim from a very very early age. You and my Shiva Katana Rebbeim are uh, uh, each one was many were survivors, but each were very each one brought a, an excitement and a passion and a warmth. To the learning, um, and I Baruch Hashem, I Kadosh Baruch Hu lined up for me that I was able to interface with uh, not deeply enough, but with many uh, Gedolei Yisrael. So when I was growing up, the the Rav of our shul was uh, Rav Nachum Rabinovich, Rabbi Rabinovitz. Right, I've heard Rabbi quote him in in, in the Joshua's and the Shul. Right, and and he was a a towering figure and a towering Talmud Chacham, and uh, he in, inspired. Inspired Balabatim and the kids to to be to achieve in learning, and um, he was also very very involved with the Tzorchit Zibur. Right. So he uh, blended the uh, his learning with service to the Zibur. But he his uh, one of the great accomplishments he had is that he was able to inspire people to achieve depth in learning. And uh, at the same time, there was a Hasidic Shirov in the neighborhood of Nachum Adler. Mm-hmm. Who uh, was always very, very warm and endearing, and uh, also he's a Talmud of he was a Chassidish Shirov, but he was also the Talmud of the Briskerov, and he uh, he taught us. And I had uh, exposures in uh, when growing up. So Toronto was blessed with many with a cheshek for learning. Mm-hmm. Even uh, when I was in Bnei Akiva, so the Shaliach Bnei Akiva was the Talmud of Rav Tzvi Yehuda, also. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. Also, quite a Talmud Chacham of right. uh, Yehuda yeah. Felix. So, as I went along, and then when I came to Yeshiva, it's the of Shimon Ram, it was uh, an Eli from the uh, from the Mir. And then ultimately, I had uh, opportunities to be close with the David Lifshitz, but I spent uh, many years learning by uh, Rosh Right, right. It's incredible. So, these were all 
I had opportunities to share them else from, from when I was at some point in Eretz Yisrael, so I was able to spend time with one of the Mura Hirov, the Bedats. Because so, Baruch wow. let us see after the Shmaya that Amazing. I had, uh, was able to spend time and learn from any. Uh, what what, what, what would Rebbe say is one thing that Rebbe learned from all those amazing different role models or Each one was, uh, each one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Each one had. Uh, what was Rebbe's takeaway from the Rav? When we were in yeshiva, so the the rub was the uh, the towering, uh, definitive force right. in campus. Right, right. And and as a result, so learning bi and learning lambdas, and trying to uh, understand with uh, our, our learning in, in a conceptual fashion was the the, uh, the way in which everything was calibrated. Mm-hmm. It was the end all of the experience of learning. So that uh, that uh, precision, the precision and the um, and the conceptualizing of ideas that became uh, part and parcel of all of his Talmudim. Right, right. At the same time, when one was learning the Rav Shir, so there was a tremendous aura of Yerushalayim, right? Because the Rav had uh, you're in the Shir, and the the overarching concern was. The Rav's fealty to the to the text, whether it was the Gemara, the Tosis, the Rambam, and to to make sure that whatever he said was precise and was accurate. Yeah. So there was uh, there were many many times when the Rav could have easily presented a shear and uh, we would have been very very satisfied and very excited. But yeah. there were times when, in the middle of the shear, he realized that what he was suggesting was not. Uh, didn't satisfy some of the mm. lashonis of a Rambam or of a, of a Tosas or of a Gemara, so he worked very hard in, in, during this year to to make sure whatever he was teaching was al be Wow! So that sense of Yerushalayim of not uh, leaving a sugya without being satisfied that what one is suggesting is uh, is accurate and is precise and is well founded. And is uh, fits into the language of the Rishonim, so there was an uh, there was an atmosphere of Yerushalayim, which uh, I feel like nowadays with educators, especially in in middle school, lower school, middle school, high schoolers, especially with you know now today's generation that are very questioning everything, you know, questioning everything in class. How to, it's it's harder in a way to give over that same Yerushalayim. How would Rebbe advise a machanech or machanechet? To give over that Yerushalayim in the same way that Rebbe experienced in the Rav Shir. I mean, obviously it's a little bit different. We're not dealing with yeshiva talmidim who are in you know in yeshiva and and at that stage of life and that don't have that same necessarily appreciation. But in, when when one is trying to educate in a high school or a middle school, you have to give it over in a way which is you know trying to win them over. So it's hard to also then accomplish giving over that that same Yerushalayim at the same time. I think if if when uh, this is true for middle. Uh, school children for high school and for uh, yeshiva gadol and 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 further that if we would bring everything back to this coming from the rabbanu shlomo and and because baruch wants to teach us something mm-hmm. so even when we're doing uh, parshanut and chumash what is it because baruch wanting to teach us 
So then I think that you're framing the, it like that. Yeah. In every meaning, every day or like or I would say when, when we finish a sugya, we finish a sugya in uh, hezegria. Hmm. So ultimately, we give expression to Chazal were teaching us something. Hmm. And they were expressing an idea. It's called the talk, and then they rise came they rise to talk, and they want us to whether they want us to achieve certain goals through their halachas, or whether it's a din they rise, and we can say very clearly, because Baruch Hu was being uh, right. to us. So, mm. so what everyone's learning to see that as a Baruch Hu being teaching us something, you're saying mm. Baruch Hu says, bring it back, it's wrap it in. Right? Is mm. alame, it means whenever we're learning, Baruch Hu is being malaminous. That's the Baruch we say. So I think that uh, in that sense of awareness of the Rebbe Shalom, that's ultimately what Yerushalayim is. Right, right. And then uh, through the various conversations and uh, through the attitudes of the of the Mechanchem and the Rebbeim, and, and if Rebbeim Mechanchem come in with a, a sense of uh, the ever presence of the Rebbe Shalom, so that has to rub off in some right, way. Right, right, right. Uh, and who would Rebbe say was uh, Rebbe's role models in parenting? My best role models are my children. My children are much more successful, and uh, oh, wow. my children have an <laughs> unusual capacity for patience and uh, and positivity and optimism. If I would have had them as role models, I would have done better in raising them. <laughs> <laughs> so, meaning Revy, Revy specifically learned from like the, their patience with Revy. That meaning in terms of that, or no? I mean, if I watch them as they're raising I mean, their children, they're as they're raising, raising their my children. grandchildren, Halavai would be wow. as 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 patient and as. Uh, <laughs> As good as they are, to amazing. Think what, to what, what is? Well, I'm sure that they learned it from from being in Rebbe's house. What, I don't what, think so. They must have picked it up <laughs> some other place, maybe from maybe from my wife. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So, as 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 a Rosh Hashiva in in YU and and Rav Ashul, Rebbe, I'm sure, and 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 also Rebbe's Talmidim are you know over the, over the years at this point are many more more established, and you know at the next stage of life are you know are, are involved in parenting. I'm sure Revy gets many, many questions for Aitza for various different parenting situations. What uh, what parenting issues, I guess, has Revy seen in, in Revy's role? And what advice uh, does Revy have for ways that parents can be more effective? Children have to always be aware of the uh, un- that the love and support that parents have for the children is not negotiable. And they always have to have that sense and that... that uh, they always have their parents back. Sometimes an adult child will make a, a decision, which is very sometimes very very disappointing, and, and and the parent has to sometimes discuss it in a very difficult way. That that does happen, but uh, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, the the child has to feel always has his parents' support, and that's a, a non-negotiable parents' love, parents' respect. How does how do parents give over that unconditional love? That when even when a when a when a child messes up, so then that's uh, mm. part of growing up, part of learning things, and 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 supporting, and and not and the child always feels that the parent uh, right. loves them without any without any question. Right, right. So the parent also has to sometimes apologize to a child who didn't sometimes respect the child properly, but mm-hmm. the child needs. And then we have to give our children a bandwidth in which they can be successful. In other words, not to narrow down success and and um, an accomplishment in, in a very narrow way, which may not fit who they are ultimately. Mm. 
to expand the different ways in which uh, a child can feel successful. They can be successful in terms of how they uh, accomplish in their own midos. They can mm. be successful in terms of how their friendships that they have. They can be uh, successful in the way that they contribute to the family. So to broaden the different ways that a child can feel entirely positive so by themselves. Right. I feel like for, for parents it's very hard because sometimes parents are looking a little bit not to clone themselves. I mean, obviously parents want their ch- children to be maybe sometimes either a little firmer than them than they were or maybe not, or the same way that they are to an extent. How do how do parents, I guess, refrain from from trying to just clone themselves in a way and, and then I guess being okay with whatever you know, how, however their children come out. Our vote is to be B'nai Aliyah had So we're always growing and we're always learning ourselves. So I don't think a parent would ever say, I, I have it so clearly, so accurately, got it so right. Right. Because a parent is always growing. A parent's right. always seeing himself as trying to accomplish more whether it's in learning or chesed or in, in relationships with children. So, the child senses that the, that that life is full of growth, mm-hmm. so they uh, so that creates again a much broader bandwidth, and then a parent has to every parent appreciates that the child is we wouldn't I don't think we'd want our children to be clones of ourselves. Right. We want to give our children uh, you know skills, and we want our life skills, and we and we we'd want our children to be live inspired lives. And uh, we do want our children to find their own uh, the way that they their own kesher to their own shalom and their and their particular avoda with their own shalom. So how do we how do we help them to develop that relationship? Meaning, I guess more specifically, how can we as parents help our children better connect to Hashem when? You know, it's it's a, that's it's hard. It's it's a it's a hard thing to do, obviously, especially at, at younger children. And as they get older, as they're especially middle school, high school age, it's it's uh, where you know you don't want to force anything on them, but you want to make it as enticing as possible, or as you know as interesting and as engaging as possible to have that relationship with Hashem. What's the best way to uh, inspire so, them to that? I don't, I don't know, but I would think that if parents give expression to their awareness of the Rabboni Shalolim's taking care of us, mm. if parents give expression to the uh, the depends we have on tefillah, if, uh, if if our engagement to davening is uh, is thorough, our engagement with davening is that uh, we we walk around with an appreciation that Kodesh Baruch Hu, uh, that, that whatever happens, the Kodesh Baruch Hu is determining that, and that our tefillahs are uh, have, have a great sway over what happens to us, and that we give full recognition to moments of a when we recognize Ashkochon Protis. So I think if, again, I don't know, if we if we articulate that we're making decisions based on what's the Ritzon Bore. Right. Sometimes uh, it's always good to be understated and it's always good to be, uh, to have one's relationship with Kishboruch to be a private matter. Right. But with within the family, I think it's important that uh, the, that, Kedjbaruchu's involvement or our understanding of what we're doing is in order to give nachas to Kedjbaruchu, in order to carry it to Ritzayin Abayri. 
Right, right. So is that something that Rebbe often did with with Rebbe's own children, talking you know explicitly about ways? Probably not enough, but we tried very hard. Probably yeah. not enough, but uh, we tried very hard. And how and how did when I mean I know I know Rebbe is extremely busy between both both of the roles. How did Rebbe devote time to Chinuch Abanim, you know, parenting and raising Rebbe's own? So children? I probably didn't do it enough. <laughs> probably, uh, and and uh, my wife was. Was always the Karis advice and Baruch Hashem. Rebbe's wife was also working, so yeah. And no, she only began working. Oh, she, only, only... she only began teaching once her children were. Oh, okay, uh, okay, gotcha. But I, the work that I have, the roles that I have, so the downside of them is that very often I'm not a balabas of us my own time. Right. right. Uh, whether things that have to come up, things that have to be taken care of, people need to to discuss simchas and things like that. On the other hand. The flexibility of my time is uh, probably greater than in, than in any other any right, other right. Uh, trajectory. So, whereas my children's friends, parents were able to be with them more consistently, so my kids knew that that uh, at any time, almost at any time, with rare exception, I'd be able to rearrange my schedule to. Uh-huh. Oh, really? And if something came up. Almost with with very rare exception, so they wow. are able to rearrange things and be able to come and take care of things. That's amazing and help wow. them out. That's special. So I think they I think they very, I think they did feel that and they do feel that. Um, I think that our shul was always uh, always was doting over the children. Mm-hmm. So even though they had a little bit more public exposure, but they also appreciated that they right, had right. Uh, people who were. Where they had relationships with Balabatim and uh, right. No, I see it. I see it in shul. Even when Rebbe's children come back, I see. I get to see. You know the way that the Balabatim interact with. Uh, right. So that was, and they always had a lot of people giving him good attention. Right. So that was. Uh, That's positive, right? Right. Yeah. Very nice. Going back to developing that relationship with Hashem and helping our children to do so. So when when children are in, I guess, middle school or high school years, how should we? How much? How much should we push our children to increase their learning? I guess looking at it from the fact that in school they're already learning a lot, but we also want to try to you know help them have that chashiva satora. This is both you know both for boys and for girls. Should we be pushing? Should we not be pushing? Or if they're already developing some resentment, should we try to give them learning outside of school that could be you know provide them a certain a certain sense of enjoyment? Or is it better to refrain a little bit? And if I guess, and just to add, if, and if there's, if that's not the best way to do it by increasing other, you know, other learning, more learning, is there other ways to show them and give them over that chashivas of Torah? So I think the, the the idea of encouraging his children to learn very much depends on the overall context. Mm-hmm. If the overall context is that that learning is. Of, of extreme importance mm-hmm. and the parents are pursuing opportunities to learn as well so then in that context it uh, when if a child is open to it if a child is resentful then i would i would not uh, go i wouldn't push those buttons right but if uh, a child is open to it so a child it makes sense to me that a child will only be open to it in the context of that learning is uh, of great significance. In my, in my own life, one of the, probably the most important shaping influence 
in terms of the area of learning, was the way my, fa- my father, for him, the, the mark and the measure of a person was whether he could learn. Mm-hmm. With the Talmud Chacham or not, yeah. right? So that was something that we grew up with. Now right. we would never do that nowadays, right? 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 That would be I would never suggest that. But <laughs> but in those days we could do it. They did it. You know, again that was so that was. And then as and as I mentioned before, we had a towering Talmud Chacham as the Rav. Right. My brother was very uh, successful in learning in the yeshiva. So mm-hmm. so the entire culture of the home was that. Uh, that learning is the is what Revolvi says hechrichi is necessary. It's not a uh, so in, if a person if a family is a culture where learning is hechrichi, we do it because right, right, right. And at the same time, there's a, there's a magic to learning. So at some point, a child feels excited about learning, mm-hmm. and if a child sees that people have are joyful when they learn. So then they want to have be a part of it, and then we use incentives and we try to figure out how to uh, how to accomplish with them. Right. Rabbeinu was very very encouraging of of uh, encouraging children to learn by having by choosing small mesichtas and mm-hmm. and uh, accomplishing making siyumim. I'm I'm not sure if that's that works nowadays. It could be that nowadays the siyum is not uh, so exciting, but right. uh, <laughs> but the actual learning right. and uh, being engaged uh, in, in in the process of learning and feeling choshev. As a kid, uh, if you're in a community where anoshim chashuvim learn, right, or if you're in a community where you have uh, uh, you have uh, young men, young married men who are accomplished in learning. Mm-hmm. And they're spending time learning, and then you can slip into the base of Medrash, and you can be one of them. Right? So then you're right, doing. So you're, you're going that's a choshev thing, right? right. So if it's fun. not, if 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 there is either that resentment, or it's not, you're not in that type of community. What are other ways that parents can go over that, give over that choshev uh, so Ultimately, the, the the parent, the parent's own life, has to right, have right, got to model it otherwise. Right, the parent. Uh, then it becomes uh, if it's something that the parent is not. Able to accomplish or not trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. then it becomes uh, becomes a child's uh, venture. Right, right. Right. So then that's that. Why should a child partake of that? Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to involve other people who have um, not whether whether a, a parent can learn with a child or not. Uh, either it goes gangbusters or it's terrible. <laughs> right. So right. either it goes gavaldig and you continue, or it's or you, you hire someone to right. Uh-huh. To take care of the child, to, to take, take care of the learning. Right. right. And sometimes you can hire an exciting, cool person to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, then one waits till the child's ready for it. Right. Right. And if and if a parent, when a parent is learning with their child, at what age does uh, would Rebbe recommend starting to learn with children in a more serious way? It all depends on when the child's ready for it. And so, like, mean like, if a child's ready, age five, six, or. You can say that again. Five, six is uh, you can start there, but you also have to. You want to establish that it's not a that's that it's not a, a child thing to do. Mm-hmm. That's uh, so. What what what, do you, what does that mean? It's not. A and they shouldn't associate with little children. You know that that uh, I did that as a kid. Learning is little kids. Ah, you know? uh, interesting. So you have to do so it. How, how do we avoid that? That's interesting. But I th- I think early, I would say early on, one of the great great limudim is Chumash Rashi. Mm-hmm. 
early on, because that's part of the Claudius roles, part of Masorah to Nochem Right. That's, so is that's, that for boys and for girls? Yeah, yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. I feel like um, people typically say Mishnah. Rebbe, so Rebbe is saying more so maybe Chumash Rashi has a... I think Mishnah is, a, is a, he said a little bit later. Uh, uh, what, what age would be maybe more appropriate for Mishnah? It's very hard to say. It's very hard to say. It depends on the child. depends on the child's mind. Right, right, right. And if nowadays we begin in third or fourth grade experiment, you have to see if the child's uh, learning and accomplishing with it. Right. C- certain times, you know, children have a hard time behaving, I guess, the way that we would want them to. For example... You know, especially within the realm of maybe let's say minion, for example, what are some battles that are worth fighting, and what are some battles that are are not worth fighting? For example, as as one example, but not not necessarily limited to minion. If a child is just really not feeling minion, really not engaging in shul and tefillah, and doesn't want to go to minion, is that a battle that you're worth fighting, or or not? When it was when with regards to raising children, I think it depends on the age at an at an earlier age. If there are ways of, of making coming to shul to build good associations and it's a warm and endearing place, we should try to do that. Mm-hmm. On the other end, child is in high school. So then if it if I don't think that it's worth having, that's that we should make that into a battleground. Mm-hmm. I think that it's important that child understands there should be a certain seder yom. Person has to be, has to, at the minyanim, frame the Seder Yom, and the parent tries very, very hard that they make it to minyan themselves, and to and to have conversations with the child. Uh, but I don't think that it's a, I don't think that much is gained by making that into a, a battleground. Hopefully, over time, the child will. I think that the we have great difficulty in getting our children to appreciate the davening. Right. One is that, that davening requires the entire retraining of the way that we train children. Because we train children to be excited about being able to read without understanding a word. Uh-huh. Right. So you're, so you're, it's your first grade, second grade, third grade, until you get a little bit of chumash. Uh, let's say sitter. We're always, we teach Kriya through sitter. Right. So we're excited when the kid can, can just read, read a passage, right? right? A child can read Birkas Amazon. We're excited about so it. So why why don't we why don't we focus more on being able to read? Is is just that people that the children are not able to? Because if they're able to start reading, then why can't we also at the same time teach them to read with translating and so, understanding? No, I, I think that, I'm not sure because it's not, not my specialty. <laughs> but I think that the that that reading skills have to be have to be taught and reviewed and and uh, and probably have to be done in in, in this way. So right. I'm I'm not saying that we're making a mistake. Right. right. And then we have to realize that we that we when a kid looks at a sitter, he has been encouraged for years and years and right. years just to read. Interesting. So now we have to. So we, we're training the children that davening is look at the sitter and that that's the book they read and don't understand. Right. Then we Baruch Hashem live in a in a, a time when when. Children don't feel that they need anything, Baruch Hashem. Right, right. So, it's, so it's, for them, it's hard to connect to, to, to their bonus and they, that they really need their bonus to help them out. Right. Yeah, I have my, my students say that to me all the time. When, I, when I'm talking to them about tefillah, they're like, I don't need anything. Right. <laughs> so how do, we, how do we help both our, our own personal children and our students to be able to feel that a little more, that dependency in a way? In a genuine way, and so hopefully in a, in a happy way that we that children have to become 
more appreciative mm-hmm. that what we have we're not entitled to. How do how do we give that? How do we in a in a practical way? I, I, I think if we explain to children that when we have our health, that's a gift from the Kaddish Baruch Hu, mm-hmm. and that's that's why we say Ashayatzer frequently. That's a gift from the Rebbeinu Shalom, right? And that we're that, and that we are that we're in a a, a culture that Baruch Hashem we're not uh, wanting of things. I, I think that's that one of the reasons why Chazal in, in, insists that we that we greet uh, a name at our door and not just have a, a system where we... Mm-hmm. Right. So people, it help, reminds us not to take things for granted. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So we want our children to, to grow up with a sense of uh, security. We don't want them to feel precarious. Right, right. We get older. That's a, so it's a very tough thing to give a child a sense of security and to oh. say that it's happening right. because Baruch is taking care of you. Right, right. But I think that's something we have to explain to children because Baruch mm-hmm. is even taking care of you to the extent that you feel a sense of security. And of these things have to happen. So one of the one of the opportunities that we miss continuously. Is and I'm not saying that I have a solution for this. Is the concept of having uh, teens minyanim and and uh, young adult minyanim and uh, college minyanim and so a person growing up, the normal thing would be is that you daven in a community with your parents, with adults, with mm-hmm. grandparents, right. with people of all sorts, and you see that there are people who are davening and pouring their hearts out so that they should be healthy. Right. You see that people are davening their hearts out so their children should be healthy. Uh, you see people by dav- having team and they're just with other teens, and therefore they don't get to, they, don't they don't, get that same exposure. Right, they don't right. see it. They don't right. see it. They don't see it. I remember many times being in, I remember when, you know, seeing people cry their hearts out and davening. Right. right, so we create these bubbles and and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it's wrong. We have it in our own show also, but right, right. by doing that, we're creating such an unnatural mm. uh, context for davening. So they don't really see that. Uh, right, right. That's a great point. The sense of of uh, our dependency on the Rebbeinu Shlomo. Right. It's, it's part of the uh, part of the difficulties of an affluent. Uh, Right. And Baruch Hashem. Well, another one of the difficulties of, of raising our children in more affluent times and affluent communities is how do we not raise them to be so spoiled? Which is, uh, it's not just not right. just not recognizing, not just not appreciating, but just being very spoiled in general. How do we, you know? Yes, I don't know. The word, you mean the word entitled. They don't mean spoiled. You mean right. uh, they feel right. that uh, everything. So there is one of the great challenges that we have not worked out is how if for parents to be able to express their love for the children and without uh, necessarily providing for children everything which children mm. and their and their peers have. Right. So we have uh, my generation also was always so anxious and maybe correctly anxious. That the children will feel not well taken care of. The children will feel that they're not getting right. their due, mm-hmm. and uh, so and and the precarious moods of children. So we have a hard time saying, 
No, this is not a good thing to have. Right. You don't, uh, now, the truth is, the parents, it could be that the adults also don't uh, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, have, understand that they think that they need things which they don't really need. So it could be that they, it could be that it's part of a more absolute society. They see people, and the the culture is like that. The stories are like that. The the amount of choices that a person has, the the wide range of tastes that uh, are being satisfied. So, so it's, it's, the culture is drenched with this idea that Unless if you're saying yes, then I'm not. I'm certainly entitled, and I don't get what I'm entitled to, so then I'm being deprived. So how do we, I mean, our children, it's it's such a hard thing that parents deal with, I feel like even on an everyday basis within their homes, how do, do, we don't, we definitely don't want our children to feel like we don't love them in any way, or that, you know, we don't, we want them to feel that unconditional love that we were talking about, but, you know, sometimes the answer does have to be no, so how do we. That's the, so that, that's the power of a tzibur. That one of the reasons why Klal Yisrael needs to have a tzibur, one of the reasons why Berovim Hadras Melech is that we can only accomplish these these uh, goals and these attitudes if they're supported by the by a community. Interesting. So if a community understands, if we would try to, as a community, walk back some of the levels of entitlement. Mm-hmm. On a simple level, it's the phones, it's the gadgets. Right. Right. So if a community says, we, we don't need this, we don't need... It. Now, we've been largely unsuccessful in that. Right. Right, right. when it comes to weddings and bar mitzvahs, and we, we've sobered yeah, up a little bit say, now. What about, why, don't, why, why can't we... And I feel like maybe in the more to the right communities, they're starting to do certain things, making certain limitations. In, in the more non-Orthodox community, why isn't there more of a, I guess, conglomerate of the Rabbanim coming together? to say, you know, let's try to limit some of these things. Let's try to pull some of these things back. And the reason everybody don't do it is because uh, it's not wise for everybody to do things that are... Push people away. No, no, no. That, uh, that, that are going to be unsuccessful and people uh, are not going to listen to. So uh, you, have uh, to, you have to... You have to pick and choose. Yeah. Because um, then it creates a sense of that their bottom are insignificant. Right, so you have to... Time, right, right. But I think that uh, from, from my experiences in our community over here, we have been walking back the uh, the celebrations of bar investments very significantly. Yeah. yeah. Very much so. That, it, that if you look at the at the bar mitzvahs, so the average bar mitzvah now is, is um, much less of an event than it was the few, mm-hmm. three or four years ago. Right. Well, COVID so COVID, also probably, right. Yeah. COVID helped a lot, and, right. and we have to build on that the momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, weddings have also walked back a little bit. I have to build on that momentum, but it's but it's it's not it's not the bar mitzvahs and the weddings. It's the it's a, a culture of right. it's the overall. It's everything: the clothing and the gadgets and right. the, keeping up with everything. Right. It's, right. it's, I mean, I see it in my school and everywhere. I see it everywhere. It's, it's a lot. It's right. like a tremendous. It's really. So, so that requires, uh, so, uh, you know, it's Seber can be, uh, can be disastrous that way because it can encourage, it can feed into this. Right. Or if it's Seber, it talks amongst themselves and says, so we're going to walk this back a little bit. Right. 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 We don't need all these things. Yeah. It's very hard. Wow. Very, very hard. In terms of uh, instilling our children with Yura, what's the best way, I guess, A, to instill them with Yura? And is there is there ever an appropriate time, 
as a parent to raise one's voice. So it's, it's, it's very, very rare. It's very, very rare that it's a value for a parent to, uh, to yell at a child. Um, if a child does something which is unsafe, then a parent has to be... Right. Right. Uh, Revolby writes that uh, yelling at a child is first aid. Right, it's the it's the it's the quick bandage, right? But it's not the it's not an approach. Mm. Um, so if if a child says something which is offensive, mm-hmm. if a child says something which is hurtful, um, so those are. I think that one of the children of the Chavetz Chaim said that the only time he heard his father yell at him was when he said something that was hurtful to somebody else. Right. So that made a tremendous impact. That's what you get. Yelled that at was from, the one. Right. 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 So a person picks and chooses, but it's, it requires tremendous training. The parent has to has to be has to work patience, on themselves. Yeah, right. has to be very patient. How do how do we work on that mida of of patience? I guess within from the lens of uh, parenting. So I think that starts with being married. Um, I, f- I forget if it was the Chazanish or I forget uh, the stipend who said that that uh, as you mentioned that patience is the most important meat that one has to acquire and work on um, during uh, to make to have a successful marriage. That Kodesh uh, Baruch made Adam and Chava different. Men and women have many different gender differences, and in order to be able to be successful in Capitalizing on the gender differences, one has to have patience. Right. One has to be, and, and and husbands and wives are different. And in order to be able to successfully build on the strength, so one has to be patient. Things are going to be different in the way you grow up. Right. And uh, and so so part of the one of the ways of looking at many of the challenges in shalom bias is that it's that these are opportunities. For people to build their own uh, mm. their own midos, right? So when you get married, it can be in other contexts as well. It can be hanging out with friends. One sees it as an opportunity. There's a great story I mentioned about the Imri Emes. Imri Emes was the was the first Emes' son. Mm-hmm. The Imri Emes was uh, very very well known for his punctuality and his insistence on time. He introduced mm. timeliness to the Gerach Hasidim. First Yaki uh, <laughs> and the. Yeah, in Poland. So um, there was the story is told that the Emirates once came to a train a train station and the train pulled out, and for him that was you know right. threw off as that. Right, right. So one of the Mesharsim said to the Emirates, he says, "That's terrible. What are we going to do now?" He said, "Now we work on the Mida of Salonus. Hmm. Right. So that's a test an insight wow. that when yeah. certain things happen. So that's an opportunity. Seize upon it. You can work on a meter right now. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Right. But it's an opportunity to work on that meter. So this, so that's true at any time in life. But it's certainly true in the early years of marriage. That one can work on the on the meter of savlanus of being patient, being accepting, being open. Then one builds up a certain uh, cachet of experiences where because you were patient, all the things happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, with children, it's uh, of extreme importance. Right. In, 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 on, the, on the ground and big adult in terms of the, the trajectory. Right, right, right. I have the 
tremendous zuchus of living in Rebbe's community, and that Rebbe's community is unique. I feel like there's a, a unique aura of, of genuine Avodos Hashem, and I have no doubt that that is all you know to the credit of Rebbe. How did how did Rebbe, and Rebbe? I feel like it really inspires and pushes the the, the kila to to have you know the I feel like with, whether all the drushos and especially by when it comes to Yavin Arayim and really the importance of the of the genuine and and the the Levedic. How did how does Rebbe how did Rebbe develop that in over the all over all the years? First, I had tremendous yatadishmaya, and first of all, the when they, when I came, the first group of the the founders of the shul and the and the core of the shul were all, uh, without exception, extremely nice people, mm. genuine people, right? People without the uh, egos, without their they were dedicated and are dedicated to the shul, not because it was important for them; it was important to. Build a shul for themselves, for their children, to hand over to their children. Right, right. The 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 amount of volunteerism was uh, was extremely impressive. Right. People took care of the shul themselves. It was the shul was like an extension of their homes. So in in a uh, in a in a community where where the atmosphere is, it's not for me. It's for the shul. It's for the tzibur, and it's not uh, it's not to service my you know, my ego, it's, so first of all, there's, that creates an atmosphere of genuineness, of being nice. It attracts right. more people mm-hmm. who are attracted by genuineness and being nice. And and there's a lot of room because everybody learn for their bonus shul. There's a lot right. of room for doing good things, a lot from other people. Right, right. So that was the, that's the core of the shul. And uh, as a result, the shul always attracted uh, people who, Want to do things for the shul? Want to be part of it, Seymour? Not, um, and then we had, uh, and a lot of just very, very good people who are, we had a very significant number always of uh, Bali Chuba. Hmm. So we always had people who were in growth mode. Right, wow. And that created a sense of wanting to grow and wanting to. Sure. And then one of the things I learned from as, as a kid in Rabbi Rabinus, the shul is you shoot high. Yeah, yeah. You can raise people up if you, if, you know, speak slightly above, slightly bring them, and then by being very open about about giving nachas mm-hmm. about the ritzon bore. But these things are really things to, to speak about, right? And then the yom tovim, we really invest a lot in, in preparing for yom tovim. Yeah, no, I see and, it. And the hachonos for for a yom tov, yeah. whatever it is, whether it's practical hachonos, whether it's the uh, the shiurim. So when we come to a yomtif, the yomtif itself has been. It's there's there's. Uh, you feel it, you right, feel it. Then. Yeah, right, no, it's, it's incredible. Right, right. I, I love it. I love it. It's right. So it means being very very targeted and open and focused on that. Uh, you know, before Pesach, it's, everything's about Pesach. Everything's right. uh, before Purim. It's about Purim. So we come in really prepared for the Yom Tov. They have a tremendous impact. And, and but mostly because people are open to it right, and people appreciate right. it, so people wouldn't be open; it'd be very hard. Well, I feel like it's also it's like if you build it, it'll come. So Rebbe built Rebbe built that up to be a place where people are interested or they are going to come to that place. So you have to see. We should see our Bote Canasios are can be extensions of the uh, of our 
but they medrash of our youth. Mm. You know, we get stuck in this idea sometimes that our, we're b'nai aliyah until we get married and have children. Right. They get stuck in the idea that there's growth, and then and, and whatever we're going to whatever we're going to accomplish in Ruchnius, you know, it gets capped in the. Uh, so that's something that we have to vigorously uh, challenge. Right, right. We have to see a person. Sh- sh- person's goal are, goals are when they when they're in their fifties and sixties, then they've accomplished in shots. It's not something you take care of when you're twenty or thirty. Right. So it's a lifelong project to be involved in shots, to be involved in learning, and we have to appreciate that as we go from stage to stage in life, whether it's marriage, raising little children, raising. So those are all opportunities where we continuously. See the Yad Hashem, request the Yad Hashem. Mm-hmm. There are opportunities where we demand different things of ourselves. So the idea of continuously growing, midos, continuously growing in our relationships, continuously making tikkunim, right. and uh, and not to tire from it, not to be. One of the problems we have is people sometimes in their forties and fifties they get burnt out. Right. So we have we have burnt we have like minyanim for burnouts, <laughs> which is probably good because right. then the shuls. Uh, and the guys who don't burn out. So it's a, we of, I often think that what a Kishbarcho asks of us is an enterprise which is so foreign to the culture we live in. Right. Marshall, right. If, uh, if, if in our cultural, our culture, a person would understand that we can never sleep late. A Jew can never sleep late. Right. It's called Zvan Kriyashma. Yeah. There's no such thing as being on vacation and sleeping late. Yeah. The idea of um, of being a, a trajectory of, of growth, of ruchni yistik And the truth is, a person gets older, so then they, they're much more aware of uh, their own nisham, of their own ruchni And they do see things um, differently. And, and and they know what, what they should take seriously and what they shouldn't take seriously. And so as a person gets older, they do become a, a more tolerant, a more ruchni. They can right. become. Right, right. It's, a, it's so foreign to, the, to the, the culture that we live in. Right, right, yeah. But that's what our, that, our shuls, it happens in the shuls. Right, that's very interesting. With Revi's background, I mean, I know Revi has a tremendous insight, Mamash, a real insight into people and Revy's background in psychology. What what would Revy say is the best way for parents and educators to meet the social and emotional needs of, of their children or of their students? I would think just uh, trying to, to to be really, really good listeners mm-hmm. and trying to get uh, and, and I enjoy listening to the students talking. Right. When we have Q&As, I'd much rather have a, an AQ. I'd much <laughs> rather... Uh, just uh, nowadays, the, the next door is much more open to having real, real relationships with their with their parents. Your your door has a much more robust relationship with your parents than we had with our parents. Uh-huh. Why? Why is that? Primarily because our parents were came from a different culture. Uh-huh. So they so that divide we never really uh, right. negotiated. That's very interesting. Um, so the kids always saw their kids were always more advanced, not always, but in many, many things were more advanced than their parents mm-hmm. culturally. Interesting. One of the one of the great uh, concerns that we have to have as society becomes more technologically advanced mm-hmm. is that our children will be right. will look will be more advanced than we are, and then right. they'll look at us as being on a different side of a divide. Yeah. 
And once they see that, so then they relate differently. Then, it's, yeah. then the conversation right, right, right. not not as deep. So I, I think that um, I'm I, one of the a moment in in my life, which was which was a shaping moment, was when I was a dorm counselor at, at YU, mm-hmm. and we had a meeting, and one of the dorm counselors, a young man, said the students really want real conversations. They really want to speak to you. And for me, that was that was a it was an epiphany that uh, they they they're open to talking. They're right. open to why they, because because Rebbe grew up not not, not with that in that well, culture. At that, that time, in that context, the residents the uh, the dorm council was very most is a technical job, uh-huh. right? It wasn't uh, schmoozing. and uh, and very often we thought that we were a few years older and some of us were in Svich and. Right. Uh, um, and certainly when we were growing up, yeah, that there wasn't that sense that parents... There wasn't that like madrich model that like NCSY has now, like the madrichim who are like a couple years older who you, you know, you create that relationship so, with. Right, right, right. Yeah, but but the, the truth, that, that's correct. And the, and, and people in general, I think, are, are very open to having genuine, deep heart-to-hearts. I'm sure. And uh, so listening, listening to what's going on, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's how one gains one's best chance of gaining insight into um, right. So when you're having those those conversations, sometimes there's very tough conversations that you need to have, whether it's challenging conversations, either as they're if they're discussing something with you that's you know a little more challenging, or if you have to have a conversation with them that's more challenging. What what's Rebbe's Advice of how to how to handle those tough conversations in Chinuch. First, yeah, you always daven. Right. We have ideas. You need a Kodesh to help you get the right words out. Right. Um, and the different stages of the conversation. First, people have to feel comfortable, mm-hmm. and they have to again they have to feel respected, and they have to feel that you really want to have a connection with them. Right. One of the um, we were saying before about how we how the shul has grown. So part of the relationship that the the Rabbanim have with the Balabatim is, and the openness that the Balabatim have is because, and I I really learned this from my uh, my father in law, Rechalap was the 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 absolute concern that the Rav has for the Balabatim. Mm-hmm. Balabatim know that when if they're going through something that's difficult something that's painful then. And the Rebbe and Rebbeton yeah. also don't sleep at night, right? Right. And that, and and when they're and when they have a Yeshua and they have a Simcha, that's the Rebbe and Rebbeton have that Simcha as right. well. Right. So when you have that, uh, when people understand that we only want the best, so if we make a crazy demand, we ask something that uh, you know I always ask for, whether it's davening in a certain way, quiet mm-hmm. during the, whatever it is, they know that it's coming from. Like one of the great stories in my life is that. Nelson V. Finkel was nifter, so I was speaking to a cousin who was a Talmud in the mirror then. And he was uh, telling various events. And one event that he said is that he remembers when there was a time when, it's probably still going on today, when there was a, a league, a, a sports league that was Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they would, and that's when the boys got out, and that's when they played. And they, right, right. And Nelson's feet thought it wasn't uh, right for guys in yeshiva that they should be playing ball Friday afternoon, uh-huh. getting ready for Shabbos. So I so, but it was very commonplace, and right, Americans right. did it. Had to get sure. out. And they did. So I asked this uh, mishpach of mine, 
I said, how did the guys receive it? He said, they knew Rav Nosson's fee was so genuine and so sincere. And they saw the mysterious nephew she had for, for learning that they would, they would never turn him down. Really? Wow. So That's part amazing. of it is that a, a, a child has to feel that the Rebbe, the Mechanech, just wants the best for them. Right, right, right. And, and it's, we have to invest ourselves in that, that they really feel they, if they know we want the best for them, so then they'll be much more opening, much more open. Right. And when and when we're dealing with like a challenging child or a challenging student, so what's what's the best way? I mean, obviously to give them that un- unconditional love and to, to make them feel that we really care, we're really there for them. But is there anything else that we should, uh, I guess, be aware of that we should, that Rebbe recommends? As so, you know, those usually are situations that one has to involve some kind of professional as an expertise and mm-hmm. uh, one has to always c- consider that the child does not want to be what that ch- the way that the child is presenting themselves right now mm. the child does not want to be a, a difficult child I mean, there's something that's there's something pushing, going on right, in there. Something right. going on in there. That's not what the child really wants. And if if an, if an adult looks at the child and, that, and sees the child is really struggling, then they look at the child much differently. Right, right, right. That's so that's something that's very, is very, very helpful. Right, very important approach. And the child right. wants to be a compliant child. The child, but there's something going on inside that. Uh, right. So I guess I guess on that note, similarly, what is Rebbe's approach? Or I guess what was Rebbe's approach in, when Rebbe was raising his children? Towards discipline. So again, I don't know. I don't know if I got it right, but uh, I know I know Rabbi's children. They they turned out, you know, they were different. They had had, had, a, had a great mother. I have a great mother. Um, I don't have any great recollections of any great insights. It was we always tried to be optimistic and positive. Mm-hmm. It was a different kufa. We there there we did uh, no hold the kids with. Responsible for certain things, um, meaning different tefuva, meaning that it would be difficult to hold children to that certain. Now it is different, yeah, yeah. yeah now it is different. What are, what are the trends that Rabbi's saying? There's a great. Different, uh, uh, I very often tell a story about Rav Kahaneman. Mm-hmm. Was a great uh, Rosh Hashiva, great fundraiser, a great Jew. So he was once with Rabbi Wine in Florida, and he got a message. He got a telegram or got a message that the boys in Panevish were on strike. Uh, when you're on strike in Panevish, it means you only learn Gumarashi Tosfus. So why were they in strike? It's because the food was terrible. Uh-huh. So Kahneman looks at Rav Wein and says, uh, what we would have given in Europe to have uh-huh. have what we're feeding the... Yeah, yeah, right. And then he stopped and he cut himself and he said, it's, it's a different kufa. Right they, right. they want, they need different things right now. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So the, um, I don't know if a child now, I don't know. That's yeah, part of Dor Dor Vidorshev to figure out how, um, what, it, you know, what a child can handle in terms of being held responsible in terms of feeling consequences. Right, right. Has Rebbe's Chinuch approach changed over the years? Sure, sure. In what ways? The uh, my children say my uh, my children say that that we were much more that with our older children, I guess they had greater restrictions. Uh-huh. Put it that way. 
mean the older children had greater restrictions. They they feel growing up that they. Uh, uh-huh. Meaning that's that's the sentiment from Revy's older children right, saying. Uh-huh. Right, but there are many many families in the neighborhood who raised children over the course of twenty years report the same kind of. Uh, Interesting. What does Revy? That's way. Uh, I mean, just the way that the trends have gone. I mean, it, 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 we know that over 10, 20 years, right. the children are right. That's very re- true. react differently to different things. And, and whereas a child in one situation is uh, doesn't, doesn't project from a certain event that the parents are uh, not loving, and, and 10 years later, they, they would right. take their projection. Right, right, right. It's very true. Sweet. So the the idea of positive encouragement and always finding that that's that's been around uh, <laughs> since we were married. Right. So that goes back a long time. And to stress that, um, and to, um, and to to build the children up, and but that's also uh, you know the, the the there was a major cultural change in Chinuch probably in the seventies in the 70s that uh, where even the classroom changed right. and the classroom was not uh, where the teacher would never uh, starting in the starting in the 70s teachers would not criticize but they would always find an, a, a, find an angle of what a student suggested to build on it right right um, and that continued and, and the idea of building children up and building their positive sense of self and it became a big struggle at some point is what's the balance between creating uh, confident children and arrogant children right, right. Uh, confidence and entitled so that that was a very difficult balance i so, think that goes back to what we were saying before is that now children are more and more feeling entitled and, and it also is you know as Revy was saying Nowadays, educators are more trying to build up children rather than being, you know, that intense and strictness, and you know, so that, that probably goes hand in hand in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You suggested that it says that uh, Yaakov was an Ish Yoshev Ohalim, so some say it was different, but to Midrashim. Mm. But I often wonder whether it means that there was a there was an oil of the base of Midrash and there's an Ohel of, of the family. Mm. The family is always accepting and endearing and it's a culture of warmth and then there is uh there's another all oh, the base of Medrash with their expectations and their and it's challenged right so so the school the schools that are now adopting the more camp-like approach, yeah I guess, yeah it's that, made also that that also to happen maybe 20 years ago 30 years ago yeah so is that what is Revy's, what, what's Revy's feelings about that? I mean, Revy's... I mean, Baruch Hashem, we're great mechanchim, so they know, they know <laughs> what they're doing, and they're right. producing very, very well. They're doing very, very well. If you look at the overall community, yeah. in terms, overall community, in terms of the, uh, the, the, the percentage of children that graduate and are, and are from, mm-hmm. they're doing very, very well, especially right. if you compare it to previous generations. Right, right, right. So the Machanachim are doing a good job. So they figure things out. So we're trying, we're trying. The, uh, a couple, a couple of different questions that I got from some of our listeners and from some of Revi's Talmidim over the years. I've, I've been, you know, including them already over the, but one or one or two more that you know that came from some from some of Revi's Talmidim. So tefillah, as we we mentioned briefly, is very difficult, very very challenging. 
um, what are some practical ways that we can make it more accessible for our children? I Meaning, obviously, like we spoke about before, that you know, in terms of Korea, they're you know, trans, but in terms of getting them to develop a real, genuine relationship with it, especially considering what we spoke about in terms of the entitlement, how can we get them to connect with the words more, to connect with the ideologies behind the machshava, behind feeling more? So one thing we should be trying is make people more curious about the text itself. Mm-hmm. Just as we learn a Pasuk and Chumash, and then we learn a Rashi, and we see how the, ah. there's more to the text. Right. So when a person is davening, we should be teaching, using more opportunities to teach different nuances of the text mm. so that a person davens, looking at the text with a similar eye to the way they'll get a Pasuk and Chumash. Interesting. And, uh, and to try to develop... Try to develop kind of like question it, like looking at like well why does it use that word or why you exactly know, exactly know, interesting exactly yeah right. right. no so what is why are we this right so that when a person is davening they're also thinking mm. and and uh, we have, and then in early, at some ages we should be encouraging uh, children if they don't know the Hebrew to learn to daven in English. Right, right. And, and, and what age is that okay to allow? I guess allow in a way. Again, it depends on where the child is holding. If, if, if we can, if we if we would be successful in getting the child to understand the Hebrew better, then that's the goal to go. Mm-hmm. But if it, a child is disconnected with davening, right. then we should be encouraging with davening in English. Davening encouraging language, them to daven in English completely, or to say, you know, try your best to do it some Hebrew and, and eventually get back to the Hebrew, yeah, but... I would, do, I would do, depend, depending where the child is at, if the child is disengaged in davening, do everything in English and start walking back to the ah, Hebrew. Got it. Interesting. If that, if that'll work. And then, it's a lot of it is like the barely bum, as we said before. Right, right. To appreciate... Now, in terms of strategies, there's a... Uh, Revolve is a great strategy. There's some, that one of the... One of the most challenging aspects of diving is getting distracted. Right. So he said, when, when you get distracted, so you stop for a moment, and you introspect as to what is distracting you. Right. And you and you think about it, and then you realize you need the bonus room to help you mm. on that issue. Right. 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 Uh, hopefully it's not uh, lunch. You know, hopefully it's uh, <laughs> something much more serious than that. So the so that becomes a, using a, it towards the right. 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 I remember Rabbi sharing that idea in Shira. Like, yeah, right. For, or to train children that before they start to have anything about it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Right. What are, what do they need? What are they taking for granted? Mm-hmm. What isn't going to happen unless the Kodesh Baruch who's going to be a part of this? Right, right. How can we move, you know, what, what are the things that are important for us in life? What should we be grateful for? Right. So by um, having a child just focus on that, before they before they start davening, right, right. It's a great point. Very great point. Another one, uh, you know, to end off with one or two more questions from from uh, from one of Rebbe's Talmidim. What are what are some of the challenges that rabbanim and rabbinic leaders have that might make it more difficult for their children to sometimes stay more engaged or as engaged? Um, and I guess I guess to extend it a little bit is what applications to non rabbanim can we can can be learned from that? From what I understand is that the one of the great challenges of uh, children of people in Melechus HaKodesh is, is that they feel that there's a, an expectation placed upon them which is uh, an unfair expectation 
and and only being placed upon them because of their uh, of their family. The family. Right. So again, there's several ways to look at this. Um, I think I think it's important for rabbinic parents not to do that to encourage their children that uh, to encourage their children that they are their own people mm-hmm. that they are not pegged or defined so if it if it works and it encourages the child that makes the child more serious and more connected that's great right but if it works against the child the child feels put upon and not say so then you one has to encourage the child not to feel put upon that they, that they it's important for the one's Talmidim and one's Balabatim to see that one gives one's child some breathing space. Right. You right. mentioned before um, how um, how a Rav who doesn't have control over his time, um, the way that people, when they're advanced in their career, do have, how that affects the family. Mm. So I often uh, understood that if I had to rearrange my schedule to take care of one of my children's needs and my wife's needs, or or if I had to interrupt something, or if I, I we had to uh, move myself away from whatever was happening in order to um, in order to be able to to help out a child, so so that was that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That, that's how the that's how the membership and the Balabatim and Talmudim learn. Right. This is the priority. Right. So right. I always felt that's that's not taking away from the Rabbanus. Right. It's, that's it's mesh with it. Right. That, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Right. 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 Mm, so when point. it comes to children feeling that they're you know we do we have to work hard to discourage the the fishbowl concept of people always looking at them and it's it's not all it's not always true and it shouldn't be true and discourage and, and work with your child so that they don't feel that they can dive in different places right they right. can sit in the back of shul they can uh, mm-hmm. you know go to a different community for for a shabbos that they but also that that when doesn't we don't have those expectations we feel accomplished if a child comes to their avodah Hashem right. their own way. Right, right. So mm. that's uh, now the, how does this transfer out to the broader public? Because this is only a microcosm of what mm. happens in many situations. Right. Where children feel, you know, you know, my, do I, do I really have to, I happen to be born into an Orthodox family. Mm. If I wouldn't have been born in Orthodox family, I wouldn't be. You wouldn't have this whole package, right? Right. 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 So, so what's so uh, when I mentioned that to my father-in-law, once he said, "Yeah," and a, a, a person who was born into a Rockefeller <laughs> never complains being born right. into a Rockefeller. Right. Right. So our our job is to is Make to them say feel like this is the Rockefeller. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. So that's true for Rabbanus. To look at the positive sides, and then it's true for Kalis Rabbah Right. 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 That's a great point. Is there any education or parenting farm that Rebbe would recommend to our listeners? I mean, the, the one that's that's most uh, often referred to is Revolbi's, uh, right, 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 sure. which are, and the, those are well accepted principles. Sounds good. Okay, Rebbe, thank you so so okay. so much for. I hope it's valuable. It's very very it's valuable. Paste. You'll see. And uh, thank you so so much for taking the time. Really really appreciate it. It's uh, it's close for me, and I know that. Many others are, are looking forward to, uh, to hearing Revy's wisdom. And uh, really, thank you, Revy. Thank you very much.
As I mentioned before the episode, this was really, really special for me. I loved having such exclusive time with my Rebbe, with such an important person in my life, and such a huge Tamachacham Baleza to discuss such important things. I really loved the ideas we discussed about tefillah and thought that Rebbe's approach to pushing the shul and the community to be in a certain level are so applicable for home. Look out for a clip where I'll discuss this more at length. Stay posted for next week's episode. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please give it the podcast a five-star rating and like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Till next week.